Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. Hope everybody is doing great as we're, uh, you know, really in the middle heart of the summer here. Kind of crazy that it is already August. You know, time is flying. So a lot going on in American politics these days. And I wanted to take a step back and assess Biden's political strategy to date. And the reason I think it's a good timing for this is that, you know, we got some big infrastructure bills being debated and finalized. We got a lot of people concerned about voting rights, rightfully so. We got the pandemic kind of waning, but then this Delta variant and, um, you know, spiking. And so it's just an interesting kind of point in the year where there's a lot on the table. And so I want to just start by saying, I think Overall, Biden has been very impressive so far, right? I, I've been, you know, stating this as often as I can that he is really, he's delivering, right? He's exactly what the country needed, which was no drama and results. And uh, I, I am just so pleasantly surprised. And, and, and Biden has really mastered the art of under promise and over deliver that I think is just a, a real key to success in life. But again, with voting rights stalled and the GOP getting ready to gerrymander and make a mockery of democracy across the United States, all of these gerrymandered districts that will um, cost the Democrats dearly, a lot of other progressive priorities stalled in the undemocratic Senate, where you need 10 Republicans to vote with you to get anything um, through the legislative kind of juggernaut there. Um, and also the fact is that, you know, the infrastructure talks are not yet finalized. No bills have been passed and signed by the president. So there's some general feeling of nervousness, I think, in the progressive kind of movement and progressive activists. And so I want to talk about what I think Biden's thinking is on the sequencing of all of this activity and bills and also kind of what he's thinking about the 22 and 24 elections and I want to be clear here, I don't have any inside knowledge, right? So this is not coming from talking to Biden's chief of staff here or anything. But I talked to a number of smart political observers. Obviously, I read a lot, listen to a lot of podcasts. And I think a lot can also be gleaned by Biden's own words and actions if you pay close enough attention. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's too early to lay out what I, what what Biden's vision is coalescing around and, you know, and, and try to assess it, even though, you know, again, we're only really, uh, you know, six months into his presidency, a little over. Uh, there's just a lot going on. And I think it's time to take a take an assessment, take a, a read of the situation and see where we find ourselves. So I'm going to jump to the conclusion right away. And I'm going to say I think Biden is playing things right I think he's being incredibly smart. 
And I do think the Dems are going to have a number of very large victories to campaign on next year, also campaign on in the 24 presidential year, obviously getting ahead of ourselves there, and also more substantively, um, you know, delivering for the American people. So let me back this up, right? I think Biden and his, his advisors are practicing the art of the possible, and they realize this fundamental truth, which I just kind of hinted at, which is better to underpromise and overdeliver, always, right? And that's really been the theme of this presidency so far, right? Is that you know every time he comes out with a plan, comes out with a you know an agenda, it is by and large much more ambitious than people thought he would, right? It was the same thing with the you know the rescue plan that was the 1.6 trillion. Then he comes out with these two $2 trillion infrastructure plans, one hard and one soft. And right now, you know, if all things come together, it looks like we're going to get about $4 trillion of new spending. And that's just tremendous. He never campaigned on that. He didn't say that early on, but he's come out and he surprised people. Um, and I think this under-promise, over-deliver really captures Biden's campaign and his presidency to date. Now, let's also not forget that what he already passed, that rescue plan that I just mentioned, the $1.6 trillion, which includes that monthly child tax credit of $250 or $300 per child, depending on their age, that alone, just to take a step back, that policy alone which is cutting child poverty in half by roughly 50%, which is putting real significant money, right? A few hundred dollars a month for most Americans is real money, and that's per child. So if you have two children, you know, you could be getting five or $600 a month cash, right? And this is for tens of millions of Americans. This is a huge progressive victory. In any other moment, right? If we weren't just coming out of a pandemic, and if we weren't coming out of, you know, an insurrection and a last year of fascism here, and people were really focused on this and it wasn't lost in the noise, this would be you know, heralded as a huge progressive victory. And I think it's just the beginning, right? Also, I want to add that the vaccine rollout has been incredibly effective, even if the zombies, mostly on the right, though not exclusively on the right, have slowed it down. Right. I mean, the fact, though, you know, that, that we would have even this level of people vaccinated and anyone can just be able to you know, walk into a CVS and get vaccinated, even without an appointment, practically these days. Um, and, you know, a lot of the country opening up, no one would have predicted that six months or a year ago. So, again, he's exceeded expectations, even if he hasn't quite gotten to the levels that he wanted, given the, you know, the anti-vaxxers. The economy is also growing strong, people's incomes are up, and America, you know, has hope again after years of chaos and cruelty. So I just wanted to start this by saying this alone makes Biden a great success so far. But like I said, this is just the beginning, right? We're starting to see Democrats lining up to do progressive things on a big list of progressive things that they have been eyeing for, for decades. And they are getting ready to really overcome the Republican obstruction that has kept the liberal project at bay for, again, decades. So this levy of obstruction and 
you know, the, the prevention and the stymieing of the progressive agenda is showing cracks. And so after the break, I'm going to talk about the infrastructure and voting rights bills and their progress, because I do think those are the two key pillars of how to judge overall Biden's success of this first two years um, before the midterms um, next November. So I do think these are things the Democrats need to to pass uh, by the end of this year, and I'll discuss why and the progress so far right after the break. Okay, so let's let's get into these bills that are really going to symbolize and represent um, Biden's presidency um, and, you know, the prospects of a progressive agenda. So first off, we have this bipartisan infrastructure deal that just last week passed the first kind of procedural motion in the Senate with 67 yes votes. The first thing to note there is since the Democrats only have 50 votes and they got all 50, that was 17 Republicans that voted to to move this infrastructure bill along. That is a surprisingly high number, right? I'm going to be honest. I didn't think they would even get the necessary 10 to get to 60 to overcome the filibuster. But, you know, sometimes when you get to that 60, then other people kind of jump on the bandwagon. And we got 17 Republicans. And remember, this was at a time where, you know, the, the former fascist president was, you know, saying all kinds of things about how telling Republicans not to go along with this and the far left and they're getting played for suckers. And said 17 of them said, fuck you, we're going ahead with this to the former president. So that's a good sign. It shows that there are a certain number of Republicans who want to get some stuff done And they know that rebuking Biden isn't good politics. So let me just say this. If this had been a female president, a President Harris, you wouldn't have gotten those 17 votes. Guaranteed. Because the Republicans um, feed on racism and misogyny. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons Biden has been successful. It's a horrible reason for his success, but it's reality. And they just realize that rebuking Grandpa Joe the old white guy who everyone seems to think is a pretty decent guy, that's just not good politics, right? Now, that being said, this has to be viewed against the backdrop of this second bill that the Democrats are working on through reconciliation that is still being negotiated. And so just for a recap, for people who aren't, you know, the hardcore political junkies, the, this bipartisan bill is really mostly just your, quote, hard infrastructure. It's your bridges, your roads, your water pipes. Some really great stuff in there to get um, lead water pipes replaced. It does have some climate stuff in there. It has some public transit. It has some electric charging stations. So it has some decent stuff, but it's mostly your hard stuff. It's not your community college. It's not your 
early childhood education and preschool, right? So the Democrats also have a lot more ambitious climate stuff that the Republicans were never going to go along with. And they said, look, we're not going to let this bipartisan bill derail all our other things. We're not just going to pass this thing and call it a day. So they've been doing this two-tiered approach where they're working on a budget reconciliation bill that only needs the 50 Democratic votes in the Senate. And they're saying, we're going to work at this in the same time, and these things must go in tandem. We're not just going to give the Republicans a win and then not do the progressive stuff that's also part of Biden's agenda. And so the, they've been playing this really, really well. You know, Biden got some pushback when he basically said he wouldn't, you know, sign one without the other. And people were saying, is that a veto threat? Blah, blah, blah. But they've been playing this incredibly well. Schumer, Pelosi saying these bills better go at the same time. And Pelosi saying we're not even going to vote on a uh, on the bipartisan piece until you pass the reconciliation. And I think the Republicans know that this is the real deal, that they don't have much leverage here. And so if they don't go along with this bipartisan bill, the Democrats will just throw it in the reconciliation bill. So they're faced with a choice. Go along, vote for this um, hard infrastructure bill, be able to take some credit that they got some bridges and roads and lead pipes and broadband infrastructure done. They can also, and I'm guaranteed they will do this, if the Democrats pass other stuff through reconciliation, they'll try to muddy the waters and lie and say they also helped pass that. But either way, they'll get some credit or they can just oppose everything. Biden can say he tried and then that stuff's going to get passed anyway and they get no credit. So I think it was a pretty, you know, it was because of the strong leverage that the Democrats, Biden, Schumer and Pelosi have have used to show the GOP that it's an all win situation for the Democrats and they, you know, it's up to them whether they want to claim a little credit, get that bone that they're being thrown or not. And so, again, I think Biden and the Democrats have played this so far perfectly, saying we'll work with you, but both needs, bills need to, to move simultaneously. And again, while the bipartisan bill isn't great, it does have a lot of good stuff on it, in it, and it fulfills a key Biden promise to seek bipartisanship. So that's a huge achievement, right? None of that stuff got done under the, the last president, and uh, he can honestly boast that he did it. Now, the Democrats are only going to pass that bill if they can also pass the second reconciliation bill. And this is where things get very interesting and I also think very promising. This second bill will not only have, you know, again, like I said, all of the climate stuff left out of the bipartisan piece but huge investments in community college, free two years of community college, a huge expansion of Medicare to cover dental and vision and hearing. Many people don't realize that Medicare does not include dental. You still have to pay for dental out of pocket if you're a senior citizen. It's going to pay for you know this early childhood education, pre-K. It's going to extend that child credit that was in the rescue bill that was only put in for one year. And it's, you know, this is big stuff. And so the key point I want to say is each of these things, if they were standalone bills, would be huge progressive victories, and they're going to lump it all together. And so think about this politically. This has stuff in there that it's going to be tangible and improve people's lives for every key demographic in the country. Seniors, 
college, young college students, climate activists, young parents, right? This is going to have something in it for everybody. And the Democrats are going to be able to say, we delivered the goods for you. Now, there's also some talk that they're going to throw some immigration reform in there and maybe even some voting rights stuff, although that's TBD. And so, you know, let's not talk about that right now, but that would just make the bill even more impressive if they could get some other key progressive priorities in there. So let's assume that both of these bills get passed in the next month or two. And this is an assumption that, you know, there's no certainty here, but let's assume that they do. This would be the biggest and most consequential legislative victory in almost 100 years since FDR in the 1930s. This would be bigger than even Lyndon Johnson in the 60s and way, way bigger than what Obama accomplished in his two terms. And remember, this would be done in Biden's first year, right? Key thing also I want to point out, this spending is spread out over eight to 10 years, right? People throw these numbers around, 3.5 trillion, 2 trillion, whatever. They don't tell you the time span, right? It's over eight to 10 years. What does this do? It guarantees economic stimulus and big social welfare spending for all of Biden's potential eight years in office, even if the Democrats never passed another major bill. So think about that. Biden and the Democrats are poised to pass legislation that will guarantee massive spending on Democratic priorities for the next eight to 10 years, even if they never do anything else. Right. Let that sink in. That is political brilliance. That is a big fucking deal, as Biden would say. Now, before I get ahead of myself and, um, you know, make be too hopeful here, let's entertain the, the, the genuine concerns on some on the left that the Democrats are losing on voting rights and with Republicans, again, ready to gen- gerrymander all these congressional dis- districts, that they've got the sequencing wrong, right? They should have gone hard on the fundamental voting rights, protect the integrity of democracy, done that first to guarantee that there's free and fair elections next year and in 2024. I want to begin by saying that I share some of this concern, right? As you all know, the GOP is a fascist cult. They are hell-bent on destroying democracy. That is clear. They will do everything in their power to destroy democracy and enshrine minority rule beyond what is already enshrined in the Constitution, they're going to you know, expand that and uh, in, in perverse ways to every extent that they can. Because again, gerrymandering, not in the Constitution, but they're going to just stretch that to beyond the breaking point. But here's why I think Biden's strategy is still correct, even with this looming threat of anti-democracy and fascism from the right. Here's why. The first is the reality is right now, in this moment, we do not have the votes in the Senate to reform the filibuster to do voting rights. You need all 50 Democratic senators to change the rules of the filibuster to allow voting rights with 50 votes. And we simply do not have the votes. There's, of course, Joe Manchin. There's Kirsten Sinema. There's even, you know, my senator from California, Dianne Feinstein, who's been on the fence about this. The reality is... Right now, we don't have the votes, and Biden knows this. Biden talks to these people. He knows if he pushes too hard, 
They're just going to go backwards. And why spend all your political capital on a losing proposition, right? And also the reality is, is that most people don't care. Most Americans, the public, doesn't care about process. Yes, they generally worry about democracy. Yes, they're pro-democracy. But, you know, the hill to die on is not voting rights when you haven't delivered yet on your other agenda items, right? So I think Biden's view here is that the sequencing should be first do the big economic progressive stuff and then pivot back to um, to voting rights. This, again, is risky. I do not want to, you know, say that this doesn't come without substantial risks, but I think it's the right sequencing, right? Because here, here is the rub. If the economy is strong and dem democratic policies are popular, even if the Democrats lose the midterms in 22, it sets Biden up for a strong re-election prospects in 24 and potentially with even bigger congressional margins when he wins in 24. Now, again, I'm jumping ahead of myself. This is a 3D chess board that's way complicated and a lot's going to happen between now and then. But I just think is... I think Biden's ultimate gut feeling is here is delivering on big progressive victories and getting a really strong economy is the best way for him to potentially win, win re-election and for the Democrats to get those few extra Senate seats so that they can do the stuff that they're going to need to do by reforming the filibuster. If they have 52, 53 senators and uh, they won't need Joe Manchin anymore, they can reform the filibuster without him. Now, the, you know, this is, um, you know, this is, again, there's a lot of unknowns here. But I would add one other key point, which is I think that if the Democrats are successful in passing these infrastructure bills, I think it will actually increase the chance that they can then pass voting rights right afterward. And here's my thinking on this, right? You know, Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema are working um, with uh, Senator Warnock of Georgia well, Cinema might not be, but she's at least been, um, you know, positive statements about it on a new voting rights bill that all 50 Democrats support. Right. And so they are right now behind the scenes. A new voting rights bill is being worked on that Manchin supports. It doesn't have all the stuff that was in the original H.R. 1, the For the People Act, but it has a lot of really critical stuff. And Manchin has come out for the stuff against gerrymandering, for the automatic registration, you know, he, you know, for automatic guaranteed early voting. So my thinking here, and I think Biden's thinking is, give them some big victories. You know, get, let Manchin say, hey, we did a bipartisan infrastructure deal. We got Republicans on board. And then let him then bring up his new voting rights bill that he's helped to craft. That's not another bill that he's jumped onto, but one that he is invested in. And I think you then will have a greater chance if the Republicans block it, that he might be willing to make some changes to the filibuster to help it um, have a chance of success. Before I kind of end this se segment, I just want to say, look, of course, there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of risks here. And there's just so many surprises and uncertainties here that all of this, in some sense, is hard to game out. Right. Um, but I do think Biden and the Democrats' fundamental strategy is sound, which is big, big victories on economics and social policy. You know, some show that you can get bipartisan stuff done, 
Let Senator Manchin be, you know, become invested in a voting rights bill. He's going to feel a lot more personal commitment to it if he helped craft it. Let him go to the Republicans and make the pitch for it and then see where the chips fall. And so even then, even if they fail on voting rights, I think the economic stuff they could do could still propel Democrats to victory in 22 and 24. And to be honest, 24 is the most important, right? We just need to keep the presidency and keep the executive. Like I said, if they pass this bill now, we have key Democratic priorities for the next eight to 10 years. We don't even need to, we just need to kind of hold the fort and make sure they sink in and make sure they become popular and they're well administered and they will become part of the social welfare state and the Republicans will, will find it impossible to reverse this, right? So if the Democrats do manage to do this stuff, it's going to be a big fucking deal. And if they could do the infrastructure and voting rights, I mean, then it's game changing, right? Then this is like just such a successful administration. Now, I want to be clear here that if they fail on both, if they go with this, you know, infrastructure first and it collapses and they don't get stuff done and there's definitely pathways where that happens, it's likely we get fascism in 2024. So the stakes couldn't be higher. We have just some incredible potential and yet incredible risk. But my essential assessment here is that Biden is playing this incredibly smart. And um, the key is it's time to bring it home, right? That's what this next couple months is about. It's just bring it home, do it, dot the I's, cross the T's, and let's have something we can celebrate, you know, ending 2021. So after the break, I'll come back with the antidote. Okay, so my antidote for today here, for all progressives out there, for all Democrats, for all, you know, good, civic-minded American citizens, I want to ask you to have some faith in Biden. He is a seasoned politician, and he is poised to do great things. I'm not saying not to criticize him when things are going badly or if he does things you disagree with. I'm not saying don't push for stronger progressive priorities. In fact, this is what I'm working on. I am pushing senators and congressional representatives to get as much of the, you know, the pri climate priorities in these infrastructure bills as possible. So I highly encourage that. But Biden and the Democrats are in the middle of the most consequential and delicate negotiations in almost all of American history. I know politics. I know how hard this is. They have no margin for error, right? When the FDR in the 30s passed that, that those huge bills, he had huge Democratic majorities. The literally in the Senate, they don't, they can't lose a single vote. In the House, they have a margin of four or five, and you know, out of hundreds, right? So they literally are have either no margin for ever error in the Senate and razor thin in the House, right? So this means. Just have some appreciation 
for what's going on. These negotiations. Bernie is at the helm of the Budget Committee in the Senate. I'm going to have more on Bernie later on if this these bills pass. So we all got to be on the same team, right? The goal of this podcast is to help progressives keep their eyes on the prize. And I want to say emphatically, the prize is within our sight. It is in the crosshairs here. So it is time for Dems to rally and let's cross that finish line and have something really big to celebrate in this second half of 2021. So with that, everybody, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate it, share it with family, friends, and colleagues, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. With that, everybody, again, hope you're having a great summer. Stay healthy. Stay safe.